Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We are live with Swell Season Surf Radio. It That's is, right. Oh, yeah, man. No music today. We're no going music. cold. <laughs> we are going cold. We're going to do it live. We're doing it live. We're doing g- it live. <laughs> doing it live. Um, this, is, this is one of those shows where it's like, it, ju- it it began well before the mics yeah. were turned on. In fact, our guest has, who we're going to get into in just one second, more about him, but essentially took over the show before we could even uh, Dude, get this, started. This is going to be fucking mental show. I mean, it's <laughs> if you are if you grew up surfing New York in the um, 80s or 90s. Uh, you would you would might know this guy, especially if you're from Davo, but you uh, knew from Long Beach. But honestly, like you're gonna love this show. This is gonna be full nostalgia awesomeness. But before we go into all this awesomeness and our guest, which is Davo Dennis, Davo, how's he pie? Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, but before we get started, Ben, where can our listeners find uh, find us? Oh, well, you can find Swell Season Surf Radio at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, our home base website, SwellSeasonSurfRadio.com. We've got a website. We've got a website. And and people, don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram and sometimes Facebook and fuck Twitter. And maybe we'll get on to Pinterest at some point. But yes. I don't know. Uh, What would we do on Pinterest? Oh, no. no. Post lots of photos. Yes, Absolutely. Um, and, and photos is something that we have laid out yes. on our uh, interview table um, all over the place. Scrapbooks, magazines, video cassettes. Um, so, yeah, Pinterest might be the right place to head to. Yeah. So before we get started, first, just got to congratulate you, Ben, on your engagement party hey, this thanks weekend. thanks a lot. Thanks for coming. Ben. Yeah, thank you. Dude, it was such a rager. <laughs> it was a rager. I'm still recovering was, in like three and a half I honestly, later. for some reason, I originally thought this was just going to be like at your, your loft, your apartment. And we're like, oh, it'll be like, like this mellow thing. And then realized, oh, it's at this place. Okay. And then we showed up and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, there's dressed like 200 up. people. No, no, you're just fine. It was all about <laughs> dancing. It was so sick. And it was me- mental. My wife had such a great time. Uh, but yes, congratulations. Shout out, shout congratulations. out to, to uh, my bride, Ariel Mitchell. Um, have not gone soon to be Pomeroy. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she's going to take that last name, but, um, (laughs) uh, have not, have not gone super public on it. Uh, since we got engaged actually a little bit ago, 
Um, but that the the party was rad, and she she Ariel's fabulous for many reasons. One of which is she's psyched that I'm that I go surf and do my thing, and she goes and paints, and we're all good with that. So uh, you know, we'll see how long that yeah. lasts. Well, yeah. Well, you know. Playing second fiddle to surfing is always very difficult. Oh, I don't know. I think I'm second fiddle to her. <laughs> All right, let's get into All our right, amazing wait, wait. guest. We have quite first one quick announcement. Oh, uh, we have a uh, cold shot challenge has been extended. Uh, the submission dates are now uh, went from March 31st, now April 15th. Uh, I'm guessing due to the lack of swell that's been happening in the last month. Although. I got a little tasty wave I know you on did. Saturday. Yeah, one, nice wave. one tasty wave, and everything else I blew really bad. But Adam Canizero, Snapature. That's on, all that uh, counts. Instagram got the pick. Uh, but anyway, the photos are going to be voted on by the public for the Cold Shot Challenge competition. And it will uh, span from Maine to North Carolina plus the Great Lakes this year. So Burton Hathaway, get your photo on. That guy's a legend over there. But now. Let's get to our fucking rad guest here. All right. Let me do this really good intro, Davo, here. Okay. Now, our guest tonight, my first proper memories of Davo was down at Azores in Long Beach. He was a lifeguard along with my friend Mike Matchmer at the pool overlooking the surf at the Executive Towers. It became the place to hang out as groms and stash your stuff, poach food, rinse all the sand off in the pool, and find ways to get into mischief and maybe perv on the MILF every once in a while. And get into the building. And get into the building and not pay to get on the beach during the summer, which was totally clutch. Uh, Much like the Momentum Generation had Benji's house to gather around, we had the pool at the Executive Towers. Fun fact about Davo, he got a Rip Curl Search logo tattooed on his calf. He and Frankie Oberholzer were tattoo brothers. Davo... Welcome to the show. How's your Thank pie, you. guy? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> psyched. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Dave brought some Bud Tallboys here, so we're pretty psyched on that. Ben, che- cheers, mate. Cheers, cheers. Oh, open that shit up. Uh, come on, Ben. <laughs> this is a celebratory a- moment. Oh, An appreciation yeah. to you guys and to all my friends. This is... <sighs> Dave O'Dennis, this is your life. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to your life. So, for our guests... Uh, we have to describe what's on this table here. Um, there's uh, strewn about uh, photos that are categorized in sections of Davo's life. There's a couple vintage VHSs here. We got Sarge's Surfing Scrapbook Take Five, which has mental Luke Egan at Reunion Island, which I thoroughly enjoy. Gripping stuff too, and a uh, little-known movie called Litmus, which did okay. <laughs> Kind of influential. And then there's Cheap Thrills for the Rockus, which Cheap Thrills for the Rockus. I'm not as familiar with that You're one. You're blowing my mind. That was the first the rusty. rusty film. That was the Rusty, right? I didn't recognize. I always thought it was just Cheap Thrills. Oh. I, I had gotten that from. Oh, the, no. I thought it was No Thrills for the Cautious. The, ri- the, the rep had given me that Damn. copy. So I actually maybe have like. Like the original before the title might like have been the, changed. Yeah. Basically, I'm holding this dusty VHS for for folks. This is pre DVD. Uh, Do you have a VHS player at home? I actually do. So you're able to watch these. Can can we get these somehow uh, streamed or converted? So so Karen to my right, our former guest, Karen Song from uh, last week has already she has the converter 
for a dig- VHS to digital. Perfect. And we were already talking about doing like a bunch of film nights and recording. So we will let you know. Listeners, we'll just tell you about how awesome it is. <laughs> I, I also have a question, actually. Yeah, go on. I, I think that um, I think it was Mike that had maybe brought over once a long time ago. Maybe it was the Kill Three. Oh yeah. And I think it was actually your. It was copy. mine. Yeah. I must have had it for like <laughs> twelve years, and then he came to Brooklyn, I think, and he saw it and he took it. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 mike and i and and ava probably have like mike Ma- mike matchmer uh we probably have like all of our vhs's intermixed somewhere like god like i would bring over vhs he would bring over stuff sometimes i would steal vhs's from his place because i'm like oh shit he has this oh man i don't gripping stuff oh, i don't have that i need that <laughs> so so yeah i mean I mean, yes, absolutely. So, uh, Deva, where do you want to start here? Explain what your intention was here, uh, because you you came more prepared than than pretty much any guest we've ever had, and I'm so psyched because there's clearly a story you want to be telling. So I wanna I wanna like give you the, the room to breathe here and and explain Thanks. the thought process. I um I I started thinking about this when you invited me on, and um, you know. Um, I have lots of memories and friends and experiences and ideally my friends have have molded me to where I am today so a lot of this is an appreciation of my friends and you know their influences on me and what how I formed and became as a human being Nice. So I am celebrating everybody and all of my friends out there. They know who they are because I've been speaking to them today for the <laughs> most part. And there's more. Um, the old and the new people I didn't know. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm here to share a little bit about the experiences that we had growing up in, uh, in Long Beach and um, how we met and um, all of these interesting experiences that um, I've had with people. What I'm what I'm impressed by um, is so you you have photos uh, like f- four by sixes um, on, on this table. You have a scrapbook which you gave us a peek of just before we went on air that has cutouts from your from your work in uh, in in clothing uh, and uh, branded retail. Was there w- like while all this was taking place because there's many decades right here. Right. Was there a sense that like I need to be keeping all of this. I need to be documenting all of it in real time that like that I'll, that I'll want to keep it and collect it and, and, and remember it. Or was it just sort of happened anyway? And you were just kind of collecting along the way. I think, I think that as well, but I, I feel along the way I had such an, uh, a great childhood that I, I just kept, all of my stuff, the photos, especially that, um, that again, that I had such good times, you know, so I, I'm, you know, I'm so grateful and stoked, um, for, you know, everything in my life and the people in there and the people that have come and gone. And, um, I wanted to, again, share some of that tonight and yeah, I have good memories. Um, why don't we start like, 
I, you, you've got some new, so you've got old and new, and you've got a new project you're going to talk to us about. But maybe sort of like, how do you want to approach this? We've got some like, we have film. Uh, we, Tyler gave a run off at the top, but like, talk about talk about your life because the film is mainly mainly prose and and famous names that folks know. But talk about some of the some of the faces and locations that stand out so prominently in your life because you have them categorized here in columns. Uh, maybe uh, start in the far right of the table. Well, the, the, the far right of the table, um, um, a, a lot of that was in the early 90s, and um, I had traveled a few times to San Diego with a friend of mine from Long Beach. His name is Larry Herrick, name dropping. And um, we had some incredible experiences. And through um, my father was... NYPD cop. He's um, turning 90 this year. No way. Uh, Congratulations. Yep. Yep, thanks. Your dad's a battler, by the way. He, yeah. he went through some really yeah. difficult times. That's, That's impressive. Right. Thanks. Man. Yeah, he's still, still going. And um, his um, former squad car partner from the 50s um, lived, moved to San Diego when he retired. And um, I stayed at his house. And then Larry also stayed at his house. <laughs> And so how old are you at this point again? Uh, I was like 22. Okay. Yep. And you're staying and at a La former retired policeman's. Yeah. And, Lar and Larry was like, I guess, 19 or 18, 19. I was like 20, yeah. 21, 22. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and believe it or not, this is a crazy story. Um, I don't know if Tyler actually knows Brian, but um my father's friend introduced me to this fellow. He said, oh, I know this real hardcore surfer. And he's also a botanist. And he, he um, is a landscaper and he grows palm trees. Um, and he lives in San Diego. And he's also a born-again Christian. So I, 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 think, I think... Prime in you. Yeah, I, 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 I want to introduce you to him. So um, he introduced me to Brian. And Brian's like this like 6'4", San Diegan, muscular, you know, charges waves... And um, first time I met him, he said, hey, have you been to Baja? I said, I've been once before. He said, well, come with me today. Today. This is going to be a mission. Yeah. You ready for a mission? <laughs> I said, yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, we said, the first stop we're going to make um, is, he's like, I have a trailer in the back of my, of my pickup truck. We're going to go to Vons, and we're going to go to some of the supermarkets, and we're going to fill up the truck with um, expired food. <laughs> listen, oh, wow. listen, and we're going to one of like the sisterhoods in Tijuana. Uh -huh. And then I'm going to take you to some of the prisons and we're going to feed the prisoners. Wow. Whoa. So there was like, you're thinking you're going surfing. No, you're actually going on. You're going on a mission mission. So that, so in the photo I'm showing these guys, that's Brian. Uh, so, so there's a photo of uh, the guy uh, laying down, looks slightly strung out, uh, <laughs> shirt off. He's laying on like some shag carpeting, and he's got three boards. They're all third world exotics. Larry Mabel's uh, short boards, though, not any retro fishes or anything. And Davo's uh, clothing company's logos on there, Extreme. He was really into it. Yeah, who wasn't? There's another photo of Devo and Brian, is it? 
and uh, three young recipients of uh, of your T-shirts, yes. extreme extreme T-shirts, and you're in Tijuana in this photo. I am, and these kids are like five. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, that's so, crazy. So Brian would, um, uh, you know, he was like the king of Baja, and actually, um, if you look up his name now, he bought tons and tons of real estate, um, and he does some sort of like nonprofit for people uh, um, in Mexico and Tijuana. And he lives there full time now. I think oh, he, wow. he, he, you know, he, since he was this like born again, but there would be times when I would go back to San Diego and he'd be like, dude, you have no idea. I got wasted. I was hanging out with these chicks and cops were chasing me <laughs> right. and I ditched them and I got out of the car and I ran. Uh, so, <laughs> so he, he was on and off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he was like, you know, complete nut job. He came to New York and like, pretty much like wrecked people's lives. I think, you know? <laughs> right, right. So, so Davo, um, you had a big announcement you wanted to make on the show. Um, I say, let's, let's get that over with so that we can dive into more history. To the second decade. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, so this, this project you're working on and, and I know nothing about it really yet, but I know it involves Andrew Kidman. Is that correct? That's correct. Andrew Kittlebits Kidman, is that the guy, the one with the beautiful head of hair that's now uh, mostly salt? I don't know who you're talking about. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you are working on a project with Kidman. You've brought his acetone uh, uh, tabloid, I guess you'd call it. Yes. Uh, it's on printed on paper, kind of like ESM used to be, but way edgier graphically. Is, is this a tabloid format? That I would call, how this, I would call like, it a tabloid format. Yeah, it's like um, 18 inches tall. and it, I love this. It's, it's I mean, based yeah. off of Tracks magazine, which used to be like this. And I love... You can flip through it quite easily. Nice big uh, photos. Oh, wow. Describe this photo here. Just that quick. is um, Mr. Bo Foster. Um, mm. He is also a shaper, and he rides for Rage and Breaker Out wetsuits, and he rides Big Sky surfboards. So, Big Sky Unlimited. Is this... Big Sky Limited. Limited, sorry. Sorry. I can't help but think of Unlimited. So, tell us, David, what is this project? Stop being so coy here. Let's get into it. Come on, you cunt. Let's go, mate. <laughs> well, I can just say that, um, that, that Andrew and I have been friends for a long time, and um, I introduced him to a few people. And um, Let's, let's – yeah, go on. And um, we just – you know, it, I think it was a long time coming that, you know, we decided that there was some ideas that – we're sprouting and um, I am in a position where I can do something with him. So uh, what does that mean? Like you've well, got time, you've got resources, you've got connections. I've got a little bit of all of that. And um, we just decided to do something for, you know, us old bastards that are grumpy and um, don't really care about stuff. We just kind of want to do our own thing and kind of pave our own way and kind of like who cares about everybody. Okay. And 
the build and, up drum and, roll um and that's um where i'm probably going to leave it for now oh um, you cock tease you should you uh, come just, on the show you come on the you show you tell back. us big news you tickle our balls, Can we and play then you like don't a, stroke it. A guessing game? Is it an object? <laughs> well, is it a animal? Is it a? I can't really um, explain oh, what it is until there's really something there. Can you wear um, it? Um, is, I'm not going to answer that. Is it bigger than a bread box? <laughs> yes. <laughs> To be honest can I, with can you, I put I, it in my mouth? <laughs> let's just Your leave it mouth. at this. It's kind of like you know, um, kind of like a big sky is um, is a magical place, and we kind of have some interesting concepts and ideas. And um, anyway, just so you know, acetone um, came out of instead of advertising or Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For in, in, in any blog or any website or anything, because neither of us really kind of care about anything that's out there. Mm-hmm. We just decided that acetone would probably be um, the best form of advertising for Big Sky. So um, we just kind of, we, it, Andrew kind of had this pipe dream and we kind of made it come true. And um, there's kind of more to it because there's a lot of characters that are involved. And um, you will see more in the future. Um, and as you look at acetone, you can kind of see what's going on. Um, How can people in the States get a hold of acetone? Uh, they would have to contact us on Instagram and then we would probably have to send it from Australia, but eventually it'll be published in the United States. I assume at some point I hope maybe. So. for, for maybe. all the collectors for right maybe. now, I would recommend reaching out to big sky limited, write them, order yourselves an acetone. Cause this is going to be, this is the shit right here. It's also um, a free, mag- it's also a free magazine. Yeah. So there's no cost. So, well, you should charge them if they're coming from Australia though. For shipping. For shipping. Yeah. Well, for shipping. Of so course. it's, it's, it's print only. There's no online version. Nope. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in the, for listeners who may know, we're in the offices of wax studio and they do a print only yeah. zine attached to the, it doesn't not work design symposium where it's a kind of, you had to be there to get it. And I love, although this is a wider publication, it's beautiful. You have to like go somewhere and grab one rather than find it online. I assume. And also, um, it, it, you know, this, this first issue is, um, promoting, um, on the edge of a dream, which is, um, a collaboration with Andrew Kidman and Ellis, um, Erickson and, um, 
Hey, yeah. there's something missing in this, though. Advertising. <laughs> What's up with that? No. Actually, no, I've seen it all. Actually, there is advertising. There we go in the back. Clever. <laughs> it's, in, it's embedded. Okay, let's go. All right, we're going to still play this game of what's on the table. So, um, and we'll get back to your big. Uh, Actually, before we go there, I, I think I think we should. I want to dive into really quickly how you met Kidman, uh, because your history with him is really important, actually, because it does play into the New York surf scene as well, because Kidman has had a pretty big impact on the local community here. He has a connection here. Obviously, his wife is from Rockaway as well. Um, but, you know, I, I credit you for really opening his eyes to New York surfing, actually. So uh, can you can you go into a little bit like how you met Kidman, how you guys hooked up and then you know what that relationship has evolved into i'd rather actually talk about it and say we we just think um a lot on the same terms and maybe we come from you know a similar um place in our lives and um you know uh being a creator of sorts you're always kind of the underdog um and if you don't kind of feel that way i mean i don't know but um you know we kind of think um, alike and you know we met a while ago and we're friends and um, we just have some fun ideas and I just want to leave it at that all right so then um, we have these photos here uh, Ben why don't you pick a photo here let's 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 see what the backstories are here uh, so there's a picture you have picked up it's of one two three four five about seven strapping young boys uh, in their late teens, probably, uh, mostly naked. Uh, looks like they got socks over their cocks or something. Is that true? Is that it? Was, it? It, was very, it was very, it was um, it was, I, I don't know who really, um, <laughs> thought of this and how we all agreed to it at the <laughs> who's, time. Who's in this photo? Um, who are we incriminating here? Well, we have actually, um, Alito Beach legend in his own right on a longboard, Steve Morrow. Steve Morrow, yep. excellent. And we have um, Island Park's finest, Craig Mealy. Nice. And we have um, Mr. Gutman. And we have George Urich. George Urich. AKA Butter guy? guy. Where is He's George? He's mowing lawns. No way. Yeah, Long Beach. Nice. You know, in and Still around. surfing? Uh, I think so. I haven't seen him nice. in a while. And then um, we have Mr. Brian Walsh. Walshy. Um, who's now, you know, Montauk resident, FDMY. FDNI, um, legendary surfer. Yeah, Great regular foot. Legendary surfer. And we have Jose Sanchez, who lives actually down the block from me in Lido Beach. Nice. Yeah. And this photo was taken at, um, at Wishing Wells. And this was, I think, in like January of 91 in puerto rico wow. yeah and don't ask me why we did this i'm I'm trying to remember why it maybe it had to do with like the chili peppers maybe we saw something in like famous chili peppers album cover with their yeah socks right over there and maybe we saw I, I if i recall it it had to have come out of like some australian surfing magazine oh, that yeah. we all shared and we were like we got to do that could it be the the i know there's one photo with jamie brissick and he has him and robbie page and they stuff their cocks between their legs a little and uh -huh. <laughs> whatever it is we all liked it yeah. we were all like cool let's do this i, and I don't know why and cool. I, no one was around there's a photo <laughs> of uh of me and some friends 
on the top of uh, Chiripo in Costa Rica. Doing the same doing thing. Doing the same thing. There's oh, something God. that... What that is it about men who <laughs> just need to be naked and primal in our, our late teens, you know? Uh, late adolescence, trying to prove that manlyhood, huh? <laughs> and I remember that day we actually, uh, believe it or not, like here's all these New Yorkers. We roll up to wilderness. We surf all morning, like all of us, you know, New Yorkers with our accents. Yeah. And, um, and then somewhere along the line on the way back, we decided to stop at Wishing Wells, which never breaks, like a really shallow, shallow break. But yeah. for whatever reason, we thought it was breaking or it was going to break. So we got there and then all of a sudden, I don't know, what came out, but we decided to do that. And I'm trying to figure out, I guess maybe it was with Jose's camera and he put it on a timer Yeah, and we all had to get, <laughs> get right. in the place. Right. Which makes it even more like odd. But I guess Jose couldn't make it. Run and drop your trucks. I guess Jose couldn't make it. Like he just got to the finish line real quick. So his pants around his ankles. We'll, ah. we'll be posting this to our story oh, uh, later tonight. <laughs> um, um, Dave, I want to, I want to, I want to dive into a fun story though. Okay. Um, Curran, Long Island, 93, uh, 93, 93. Yeah. You were with him. I, like, was, I was with him quite often. All right. Yeah. Can we, can we talk about this story here? Like this was fucking one of the coolest things. Like Curran comes through New York, hooks up with locals, like ends it's up awesome. partying with them and, and then they follow him to Montauk. Oh, so so actually, I have a better story. The oh, next time he, he he came to New York, he I wound bet. up um, him and Derek Hine and um, I forgot. Sonny? No, Sonny didn't come with us. But for some reason, I don't I don't remember everything. And maybe Walsh will will be able to like tap into this eventually at some point. Um, when you have him on, yeah. you'll have to ask this question to him. But we all, at like 12 o'clock, we, we were at Kevin Symes, um, who owns Moku yeah. um, in Long Beach. Formerly and, owner of the Beach House. Yes, in, formerly owner of the Beach House. In Island Park. Yep, that's correct. And um, the next thing I remember was like, we were in like a closet and like, and you came her, and they were like, they were like jamming, playing like, like Neil Young on guitars and really? singing. And then the next thing I know, we were like, we, we all went back to, we had like a, like Walsh's, like mom and dad were away or something. And we all went back to Walsh's house and we got beers and we were hanging out, whatever. And we all kind of like passed out, but we didn't know where Derek Hine and, and Tom Curran went. And they wound up going to like, they walked to like some um, little, um, like eatery on the corner, like far down from Walsh's house. And they came back and that was probably like five or six in the morning. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember, but it was just like really far out there. And that was pretty um, trippy. And then um, another funny experience was, um, was in Montauk and um, none of us, like what happened is it was the summer and um, we, we, um, they didn't book any sort of um, accommodations in Montauk in the summer. And uh, that was like 93. So we all had to um, sleep in our cars. And, um, and that was kind of funny because if I remember, I, I, I think I had, um, I think Curran actually, Curran and I slept in the back of my pickup truck. Nice. I, I, I'm pretty sure. Was he a spooner? Um, Is he spoon? 
It's a good question. I, I yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I, I don't. Know. I, I was I was way too young. <laughs> this isn't like a Neverland situation. <laughs> oh no, Kern! Don't don't ruin Kern for me, man. One happen. little one little one little tidbit as well is that um, about Big Sky um, is that Leanne Kern actually um, rides our surfboards nice. um, exclusively. That's awesome. So she's part of the team, which is quite funny. Um, and I recently made contact again because I was thinking about her with her mom. So it's quite interesting. I follow Marie, Marie and Leanne and Tom. Marie um, was so, beautiful. Yeah. I had such a crush on her as a kid. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was some um, interesting so, times. So there that was, was the summer. Was that the summer that Kern rode the uh, Rick Twinfin too in Atlantic Beach? Yeah, and that, that was, was when in... he had he had the. Um, as far as I remember, he had the Skip Fry. Nice. Yeah, he had really? the Skip Fry. Yeah, the, he the had, Heinz Skip Fry as, too. As far as I know, that he had picked that up from I, from like um, George Gerlach at Surfer Supplies. I, as far as I remember, I could be wrong. I thought the Skip was was Derek Derek's board, and the Rick was was what uh, Kern picked up in New Jersey. Maybe that's what I'm. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. he picked up a board at um, on the rack. Yeah, and was like, oh, this board, I'm taking it. It was that Rick and, Twinfin. Yeah, and yeah, actually, I got to watch him. I remember like we were in the water in Montauk, and um, and he was surfing that on like you know, really hot like knee high waves, and he was absolutely shredding. Um, I, I love that like these two legends, masters, like sort of powerful celebrities, just show up. And are so open to doing whatever, you know, like come, you know, all the way to like, you know, hang out with kids and move along through Long Island and Jersey with like no pretension. I assume you're sleeping in the back of a truck. It's like the rolling. Imagine the Rolling Stones came to town and (laughs) you hung out with them and they crashed at your house and they like partied with. Yeah. And they partied with you. That's what that's like. Like currently just won like a world. Yeah. Yeah, He's like sleep. He's like in washes. Karen's house. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking pot in the bathroom and everything, you know? Losing his, losing his <laughs> shit. Um, so, th- you know, that was, um, it was all kind of part of the picture on how, you know, things would kind of go for me. But um, another um, interesting tidbit. So um, there's an owner in Long Beach and I, um, I started working in a surf shop at a very young age. Um, he had gone to art school and, um, which shop was this? Uh, this was at the C time level. it was sea level, sea level, not mentioning any names, but, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we had a lot of, um, really good times together and, um, yeah. And, uh, we had gone to, um, to the surf expo in 94 and I had just come back from California and I was like, what am I going to do with my life? And, uh, you know. Like I'm working in a surf shop. So I wound up um, going to the surf expo and um, people that were um, that I had admired surfing, they weren't pros anymore, but they were kind of doing this alternative style clothing. And it really intrigued me, um, kind of like Stussy. And um, and one of them used to be a real exclusive team rider for Rusty, Vinny Dalapena. Vinny he, had this, he had this brand called Ezekiel and basically he, we had talked and he said like, man, you can do this. Um, but it happened to be that, um, that during that show, um, I had met somebody that kind of changed the course for me 
Um, and there was this company and they were blasting, I'll never forget it. They were like blasting Nirvana and they had like all this like punk looking checkerboarded um, tent. And there was just two guys there. And one of them I kind of recognized and I realized it was um, Kelly Slater's older brother. And um, sure. I started talking to them and they were like, I, I think they were like either like doing coke or on speed or something. And um, they were so amped and I was amped anyway. Um, I wound up like immediately becoming friends um, with this fellow. His name is Tucker Hall. And uh, the funny the funny story about it is, is that um, we we like had an interesting evening. And um, to say the least, we stayed and? we stayed in touch. And um, what was interesting about the evening? I I, I have a feeling that that um, I if I recall, we had taken acid. Uh -huh. So it was just a really crazy night. And um, I didn't even remember a lot of it. <laughs> I never really even talked about it after that because I was like, what an experience. But we stayed in touch. And um, a few months later, when I started Xtreme, it was um, Tucker that kind of pushed me along and said, you can do this as well and do it and do your own thing. And like, you know, like, fuck everybody else. Just do your own thing. Bring, and tell people what Xtreme was. Um, Xtreme was kind of something that I started um, ideally out of just frustration of living in the suburbs. And I just wanted to do something different that was mine. Um, and I didn't really know exactly what it would become. Um, I had started actually a company with um, Kevin Syme called Tweak. Um, and I, I realized that um, I, I, we kind of thought differently, and that's totally fine. And um, I kind of just went on my own path. And um, I wound up um, leaving the surf shop, and I just dedicated everything that I had to Xtreme. And um, I worked really hard. I called people that I had met. Um, during my surf days and I was just so tired of just like the bro politics of everything. Um, it's this love hate that I have for the surf industry, even to this day. And, um, I, um, I, you know, as I've gotten older, I realized like, I I'm so happy that, um, I don't make a living from the surf industry Isn't or working the truth? in the surf industry. Yeah. Tyler knows firsthand. Ugh. I'm not sure if you do as well. No, I don't. Um, that industry. We don't is... make any money on this show. <laughs> but yeah. I can imagine why. What? Why? Tell Tell me a little bit of what, one of the many reasons. It's just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, you know, it's all just the time. it's just bullshit all the time and bullshitters. And you know, I I I saw straight through it early on, and I was just over it. Um, and I wanted to do something completely different. And um. There happened to be other people um, that were doing things like myself, and I came out of this um, group of people, right, that were doing similar stuff, and it was like 1.5 generations of streetwear. By the time I made it to California, I like that 1.5. Yeah, it was like you know after the Stussies and the right. fucked and the pervert and the fresh jives and con art, um, you know, and um, and, you know, I kind of found myself with these group of people. One of the people that I met um, was Richard Kenvin. Mm. Okay. And, um, he had a company called Stupid with two O's. 
And um, I was really intrigued with what they did. And I became friends with a bunch of his employees and they were based in San Diego. So there was like a nice connection there. And um, how yeah. old are you at this point? I was uh, 25. So you had you had done you had sort of arrived at that place after doing some travel. Had you hung out with current at this point? I had already hung out with, yeah. with that. I was done with like just everything that had to do with surfing. As a right. matter of fact, during that time, I was even disenchanted just going surfing. I just uh -huh. didn't even want to like, it just really was, I, you know, it, it was not fun at that time. There was also a lot of changes going on where, you know, later on litmus will come into that. Um, but you know, I, I was just so, just disenfranchised and like just wanted to do my own thing and like get far away from it as possible. Um, I kind of feel like it was like what Aki went through, just like got to check out for a while and then, you know, you love it. It's there, right, you know, it's right, at your fingertips. Right. You'll make it back yeah, again. Right. But you and need, you need to go sort of on a walkabout to get back to it. I just didn't want to like, work or be or be part of the surf industry but in the beginning i didn't know exactly where i was going and what i was doing so i kind of had to find my way and um i found the tribe of people that you know i knew like understood me i understood them and we all um even though it's business we didn't work together right but we worked together you know we we supported each other our brands were all together we were all in the yeah. same magazines. We were all, um, at, you know, people wearing it at the same parties. You know, you could go to a Beastie Boys show and like people were wearing That's all awesome. of that clothes. Yeah, you, know? you, you brought a book not, and I, I'm, Tyler knows you well and I'm, I'm, I'm catching up. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, but you, you did the greatest thing for a host, which is essentially you brought your your uh, recorded history in the form of objects. Uh, you have a scrapbook with, with letters and, and faxes. That's a uh, pre-email uh, uh, messaging service um, from, uh, from the band Blur, the manager of Blur. There's stuff that like, uh, what, fur, fur coat? Lucy uh, Fur's Lucy Lucy's fur coat. Like all the uh, other bands, uh, Green Day, like, Bands that were affiliated or admired or connected with your brand at a certain time and the communications, Ralph Lauren, like that is so cool. Awesome that you kept Thank it you. all. Thank but you. like you were that was an interesting bit of time uh, where like what we just you said streetwear one point five. Right. Or like that sort of shifting from like hair metal mm -hmm. to like just like like around the like early grunge or just. Cuspy, fresh yeah. jive, like all you of were this right in there. It was just this, like you know, um, these these surfers and skaters that had grown up and that were, you know, um, snowboarders, especially that were just coming out with, you know, graphic designs. And um, I met somebody else that would be a, um, a really big 
um, influence on me, and his name is um, Eric Brunetti, and he has a company called Fucked. <laughs> and um, I was, you know, he has a very interesting history to this day. He's an amazing artist, amazing graphic designer, amazing um, stuff maker, and um, and a thinker. And um, you know, those are people that that I was looking up to. I with the music, um, my first, I when I first started Xtreme, I figured. Who do I really respect and admire that I want to wear my clothes? So I would go through all of my CDs and I would look in the back and I would see who's got the fan club and I would just go ahead and pack up some t-shirts and send it to them. And they would write back letters. There was another connection. I lived in New York. So I would take by myself, I would jump on the train with a bag. Somehow I would get to the backstage to see bands and I would give them clothes at like Roseland Ballroom. Correct. Perhaps. Yes. 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 Spent many. I saw yeah. Alice in Chains, Screaming Trees, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Smashing Pumpkins. Sorry, so my, my, my era of that too. Awesome. Go I am. Um, you know, so I I would just go by myself, or I would take my buddy Phil with me, um, and we would just <laughs> we would just it would just be incredible. We'd go there with no tickets. Just the, I'd go there with a bag of clothes. I would just start talking to people and I would get through <laughs> one door to the next door to the next door to the next door and I would give everybody clothes. In that process, I met other people that I would still be friends with today. Wow. And, um, you know, the next thing you know, it's like, oh, bands want you to do tour T-shirts. They really like what you're doing. You're getting press. You know, hey, um, the manager of Blur, like, hey, you're coming to London? Cool. I'll give you a pass for Wembley. <laughs> great you know oh your friends are going great no problem you know so it was a lot of interesting connections so for me it became like this um like how can i how, how you know almost like fun how can i get in you know how totally. can i how can i get in gay crash and yeah and it was it was it was pretty interesting um but not just how times. can i get in how can i get in with my with my, I, with my product, with my design, yeah. it wasn't just like you were like a fan or a groupie and you wanted to be right. at the show. You were there to offer something. That is correct. And that's, yeah. that's, that's cool and different. And they, they respected it because they had never, most of these bands were like, what, huh? I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. You know, like, oh, cool. That fits. They just put it right on, you know, nice. cause they'd be like sweaty. Um, Rage Against the Machine was, um, a, a pretty big fan in the, uh, mid nineties. And I remember, um, I became friends with their tour manager and um, some of the members of the band. And um, I remember like, you know, going like four nights to Roseland, you know, every night oh. bringing clothes. And then they asked me, they're like, do you want to go to Philadelphia? I was like, I can't because I have to like, you know, go to a trade show or something. And, um, you know, uh, it was just really interesting, fun times that I didn't have to worry about ID and I, I didn't have to worry yeah. about anything. I just, you know. Well, the, it, it must have been. You know, building a company and getting it, building it up is probably the most fun because you have nothing to lose. You know, you're, you're just like carefree and you're kind of like, I'm going to go hand out all this shit. Like, I'm going to go do this stuff. No, it's like, funny. It's interesting you say that because I didn't ever look at it that way. I looked at it as like, if I don't do this, I'm fucked. Yeah. So, um, I had no choice but to make this work and every, um, tactical move I made was to um, take it to another level, to push it to the next level, whatever that took. Keep in mind, it's like I'm by myself. I'm doing this out of a basement. 
in yeah. Oceanside. I my remember father, that basement. My father had, um, after my father retired, he um, was doing an oil change on the family car and he ripped off part of his t-shirt and he said, a rag, everybody needs a rag. <laughs> so um, he, he wound up making connections with, um, believe it or not, to, for waste material, meaning that it was all mill ends from all the mills in the East Coast that were making clothing. Wow. And he would get it for free. They couldn't even get, they were like, take it all. So he would, he would make contracts with them, take it all, store it in the basement, cut it all up, separate it, and sell it. No way. And he made, he, he, not only did he make a fortune, but we wound up selling the company in 2003 because it was viable. Wow. And he you sold it. your dad's company for collecting all that stuff. Yeah. That's amazing. And he did it, he did it all by himself as well. So I learned a lot from him watching him. And my dad, um, you know, he's born and raised in Brooklyn. He was a middle child. Um, his brother, who actually Team Mike knows very well because he was one of my first investors, um, his name was Erwin Dennis, and he lived on 33 West 63rd. Um, he worked for CBS. So nice. he was like, you know, very left, liberal, into the ballet, into TV, lived this New York lifestyle. My folks worked for CBS. They probably knew him. Oh, the yeah. 70s. He was there for 47 years, so okay. they, they probably knew him. Nice. And uh, some people I know now actually know of him, just the story and the folklore of my uncle. And they're like, that's your uncle? Yeah, that's my uncle. Um, but anyway, so my father was kind of this like misfit, you know, um, kind of a hard nose. And he went to the Korean War and then he came back and didn't know what he wanted to do. And he traveled around the United States and he worked on the Hoover Dam. He did all these odd things, came back to Brooklyn and was like, was walking one day, living with his parents, you know, and he saw a sign on a, I, I think he said it was on a telephone pole and it said like, you know, like police, like you want security in your life, uh, become a policeman. <laughs> so he became a cop and he was a cop from 1955 to 1978. So when, when I was, it sounded old then, but when I was born, he was 42. Wow. Right. So, um, so, you know, cop my, during 70 NYPD, NYPD, so he was a cop in, in the seventies in New York. York. That means yeah. something. That's gnarly. And, you know, like any other police officer or fireman, they've seen a lot. They've been exposed to extreme situations. And, um, you know, like my uncle always said, like, you know, your father is like, you know, it's really messed them up. You know, so when when he started his business, right, he would buy, he, you know, he had a van and. I would fill it and he had a few workers. I think Team Mike would sometimes even help. Nice. And whoever was in the yeah. basement would help <laughs> and uh, bring up the boxes and put it in his van and he would make all the deliveries. So he wouldn't take shit from anybody. I mean, I've, one time I, I, had, I, had, I had come home and my father said, come on, you're coming with me. We're going to Freeport. <laughs> and, and, and somebody owed him money. No. And my father's kind of like, you know, stocky, was kind of like a badass. And he went in and he pushed the owner of the company where he was concussed, he just pushed him in his upper body and he fell. It was wow. like, it was like a one shot <laughs> fight. And my father was so angry. I've never seen him so mad. And, um, he said, you know, like it was like really like mafiosa in a lot of ways. My dad is, you know, even now in his nineties, he's still like pretty sharp. Yeah. And, um, you he's know, wouldn't mess with him. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's a badass even still at 90. So, he kind of taught me a lot about business, you know, because it was like, you know, 
do or die, heaven or hell. To him, it was like. What did he think of all this sort of counterculture, punk, beachy, surf cult, you know, world that you lived in and, and was part of? Was he? I have to tell you, both of my parents, super supportive of anything I did. I was like a dream to my parents. I was like easy. We have a good relationship. Um, we always have. And they, you know, my mom was a nursery school teacher um, and my father was a cop. So, you know, they didn't think that I needed college. They didn't think that I, I, I really needed that. They knew that I needed to be free and to do my own thing. They were ultimately supportive. Um, and, um, you know, that made it a lot easier for me um, emotionally, you yeah. know, knowing that I have the support of my um you know, my parents just. So you could you go know. out on a limb and bust through gates at these venues and like start a company and then start a different company. Cause I think they, they don't, funding. I think they, you know, they don't, they don't really know. Um, you know, they don't know everything. Obviously no parents know every single detail, but um, except for my dad. Yeah. No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Got me there. I, um, I, I just kind of did my own thing. I never, honestly, I'm a very low key, quiet person. I don't really talk so much about um, what I what I do. I just do it. Um, that's kind of how. That's my mo. I so what do what are you doing with Andrew Kidman? Um, yeah, He's not we, talking about it. <laughs> we're doing something. I'm just leave it at that. We're doing something. Follow Big Sky Limited. You know? All right, uh, Davo. Yeah. Fun question. Yep. Who's the who is the best surfer in Long Beach from 1991 to 1999? Whoa. Heavy call. Mm. Do we need to start rattling off names? I mean, I can't really um, pinpoint. Who would be in your top is five? Is this your would you rather? No, it's kind of. I mean, it's like, who, who would be in your top five? Because like, I have a certain top, top five as, as a Grom growing up in Long Beach. And, and I want to segue this into talking about some of these characters that, that we both grew up with, you know, so who would you, you put up there? Um, I would say in and out of those years, I would say like Jeff Shanison. Yes. Um, and, and, and really honestly, wall surfs really well and he yeah. always surfed well. Especially for um, the the tallest of them all, right? You know, he's six foot three, and right. and you know, skinny, you know, light, but like, yeah, he was he was much bigger than and, everyone. And also like Larry Herrick, Harrow. also, I mean, a phenomenal swimmer. He's got a swimmer's body, yeah, and shredded, yeah. You know, um, during that time, a lot of my friends they would move to California and they'd move different places, so their surfing only got better. Um, Albert Prisco. I would I would agree to say Albert Prisco was always an absolute shredder. Charles Bernowich? Absolute shredder, always. Chris Fay. Chris Fay is completely dedicated. Can, 100%. can we talk about Chris Fay for a moment? Wow. Chris all Fay. right. For all of our guests who don't know who Chris Fay is, this guy, skinny white dude, used to be like Working at all the hip hop clubs yeah. all through the 80s and 90s. From Connecticut. From Connecticut. Would drive from Connecticut to Long Beach, beat you there before the Dawn Patrol. Like, wow. Yeah, this guy was, is amazing. Like, because his kid now surfs and yeah. he's running like the ESA, New yeah. York division. 
And like I see him every once in a while, and it's hilarious. But that guy, he ripped, and it was always like him and Charlie Bernowich that were that would be dueling it, you know, at the finals of like the ESA contest and everything. I always remember it was like those two, and you know, maybe like I don't know, a couple other guys, but a few of the guys from like the central, yeah, you know, the central coast, as I like to call it. Totally. Um, you know, the Rick Surf Shop guys. Yeah, you know? yeah. Especially the Rick Surf Shop guys. I know. The whole Bayshore, West yeah. Islip, Babylon crew, you know? Chris Hyman. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris. And all those guys. And then, like, so the Jankows and all that. Like, Scott oh, Janko Jankos, was yeah. pretty good. Um, but I would say, I mean, like, and let's talk about Shaneson for a moment. You, wow. you, you have a history with, Shane, with Jeff quite a bit. You guys have you know, have crossed paths in the real estate world as well. Well, no? yeah, yes and no. I mean, um, I see him mostly like we ride our, you know, I'm riding my bike, he's riding his bike, or I see him on the boardwalk. Um, he's still his trippy self. And um, the one thing I want to actually mention about this is that he rode for Sundown. Yeah, he rode for my dad's shop. Well, we used to have the best surf team. In the 80s, it was Charles Bernerich, Albert Prisco, Chris Fay. You know, you, you had Jeff Shanison. You had then Eric Eichen on the boogie board, him and Randy. Like you had like the best of the best at that time. Late 80s, early 90s was was awesome. I remember like being a Grom and just like seeing the whole meeting and they would tell him like, oh, you need to surf better in the contest and you need to get more exposure. And it was like so weird. Like, Jeff, now, put down your arms. Yeah. <laughs> but Jeff is like a real interesting character, Ben. This guy was was one of the best surfers in New York uh, in the eight, late 80s and 90s. Went to Hawaii, charged in Hawaii, like got a lot of respect from from people over there, but also did loads of drugs. And, and then found himself. And then found himself, uh, you know, in, uh, as a reformed Jew. No, Lubavitch Le- Le- Jewish. Like went full on. Wow. Didn't surf for a while. Yeah. Then, then came back to surfing with the full beard, right. pasty white, super skinny, and still ripped. And it still does. He came back here to New York and then became that. And then, dude, we need him on the show. Oh yeah. Well, I don't know if he'll come on. I don't know. He's elusive. All right. Yeah, he's he's elusive. I think we should. He's like current. We should leave it at that. But this guy was like, and I remember like you would, you know, it would be just like the biggest day of the year, like a hurricane swell, and everyone would be standing on the boardwalk watching, and like there'd be like maybe one or two guys out, and then all of a sudden Jeff Shaneson would show up and just blow the shit up. <laughs> I saw him do some crazy double tube layback in Lido once, one night. Um, we were getting out of the water, and then of course, you know, he gets out of the water. He's like, ooh, hurrah, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and now he gives good real estate advice. <laughs> like, he always is like, oh, Dad, you don't want to buy here in New York. It's too expensive. I got this property down in North Carolina, you know, <laughs> right, it's like, right, right. or in Ohio. And you're like, oh, geez, really? You're like, unreal. Like, super fascinating person. And then, you know, and then, and then also, um, you know, I think we need to actually talk about, and even now, um, George Stella. Yeah. I mean, talk about absolutely gung-ho, so hyped on surfing. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's very inspirational to see somebody who's your age getting shacked, roded, yeah. tubed out of his mind, travels everywhere, yeah. you know, all about the tube. And We've had really him good. on, or Ben had him on twice. Uh, he's, he's a big fan of nice. George. He's, I mean, he, he has this like trademark shot of 
himself just getting absolutely tubed. He's an interesting story because, you know, he stopped surfing and then, you know, yeah. came back to it and lost yeah. all sorts of weight and then got it. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, it's funny how we all, you know, a lot of people take um, these detours from surfing. You know, you as one. Yeah. Um, I not so much, but like there, there are these people who uh, some of the like have uh, been burned in surfing too, you know, and just kind of needed that time away and then rekindle their love in some ways. They're like born again surfers. It's tough to be ca- like, if you, especially in the East coast, it's tough to be like casual about it if you want to get after it. Yeah. And that can be exhausting. At least I find it to be, and, you know, like the commitment and not getting out there and being upset about it for like you live near the beach, you know, when you got to well, drive I live in, I live in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh. Um, Part of the you time, know, basically three days a week okay. and then three and a half. And then I live three to four in Lido Beach. And um, my whole thing was that um, my my it wasn't really that like, oh, I'm going back home kind of thing. It was like my wife and I, you know, from day one, we were spending time in Lido and going to the beach and going to Marvell. And then, you know, we both loved it. And then, you know, I found a house and um, we bought it and um I love splitting my time. I love being close to the ocean and close to the beach. And um, I actually surf quite often. I don't necessarily surf with people um, because when you live so close, it's like you can paddle out at seven o'clock, you can go at eight o'clock. And I take um, the approach as a a friend of mine who um, is also in real estate. Um, He says, just two set waves, that's all you need. So I tell everybody, just two set waves. So I, you know, I take that approach when I go surfing. All I need is just two set waves and I'm good. Right. That's it. I don't need to surf Quality. for like seven hours anymore. Yeah. I can't do it anyway. It's like I just don't have, you know, the ability um, <laughs> to do that. But I'm, I'm so content. And honestly, anytime, as they say in Australia, you can leave the earth and go into the ocean um, is a pretty special moment. So for me, you know, the ocean you know, signifies something really bigger, um, for me. And, you know, I see everybody now in Brooklyn with surfboards and talking about surfing and, you know, um, you know, that's all cool. Not as long as everybody, not as cool as it used to be. (laughs) I'm glad you take that approach. I agree with you. But when we talk about new wave, yeah, it it ignites a lot of passion and anger (laughs) about crowded or whatever. Well, if you want to go surfing and talk about passion and anger, just surf with flip. Yeah. Who we will one day have to get on and, uh, you know, but. I'm his agent. I'll talk to him. <laughs> I mean, and, and Davo, like, let's talk about inhumane shop as okay. well. Like that was like you, so you, what happened with extreme? Like you, you sold it off or. Yeah. So what happened is, is that by, um, by 98, um, I had done extremely well, um, and I decided to kind of change market and just decided to like not make women's anymore, which made people upset. And I focused towards just working with my menswear and the Japanese. By 99, I had taken on um, uh, a distributor in Japan after spending a lot of time going back and forth that um, also distributed and produced um, at the time, Mark Gonzalez had a line of t-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff and they also produced that so um i did really well in japan and then i wound up um um okay so i'm gonna back 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 pedal 
So um, when I first started doing trade shows, the first show I ever did was in London in 1995. And I met this fellow, uh, Mark Bloom. He had this company called Komodo. And um, a lot of designers that people know today came out of the Komodo camp. He's been at it for like 35 years. And um, he is also um, like the head of the Free Tibet campaign in oh, London. Nice. And um, he has a factory in Nepal, in Kathmandu, and he has a factory in Bali. And he owns property there and he, he has, owns a, a, a bunch of properties in London. Um, so that was kind of like inspiring to me as well that he owned real estate. And um, we just became really good friends and I really liked what he did. And I started distributing his um, stuff in America and it was doing quite well. And one of the other um, designers that came out of the camp, I was also distributing his stuff. And we just talked about having a showroom. And then I said, we should just have a store in a showroom. So, um, you know, they, we all went in together and I opened the store on um, 195 Mulberry at the corner of Kenmare. And um, when I took over the store, it was being used as a Martin Scorsese kind of set. I nice. love it. Um, and there was like all sorts of films that were filmed in there. And, and, and the windows actually um, were bricked up. Can, can you set the stage here? Because... It's not how a lot of people see Little Italy and Soho now. Oh, no that whole era. That at that time, it was not as nice as it is. It was not like no one was really down there. Yeah. Like, as as a matter of fact, it was interesting. This is this is quite interesting. So when I opened up, this is a little folklore for yeah. you. Yeah. When I opened up, there's two things. I put up um, a flagpole on that's still there, where my buddy Noah has his. And um, I put my inhumane shop flag there. And the, pers the first person to actually flag me on the block and leave me like hate notes was um, Tracy Fites. I guess it's his ex-wife. No way. Because he was on um, Spring Street as well. And so... The drop-in king. So we were all like, fuck you. You know, who cares? Fuck off. You know? So um, that was the whole point of the name to like kind of, you know, irritate people. So, um, so yeah, so I, you know, I had this opportunity to design the store with a good amount of money that I had and that the other people had that were involved. And, um, I really enjoyed the process of, um, building it out. And from that point on, um, I realized, you know what, I'm kind of better at building and like, and, and like working with my hands and building a store than I am actually making clothing. By that time, you know, with clothing, it's like every year, it's like, it's it's such a grind yeah. right. that, um, you know, I would say out of the nine years that I've owned the company, I can remember maybe like three that were really good. Right. You know, the rest were just kind of blah, like a yeah. bunch of bullshit, um, but fun times, of course. And um, I was able to license it um, in 2001, uh, right after 9-11, and then I wound up selling it in 2003, um, and I had also had licensed it in Australia. Um, uh, in 2003 as well. Nice. So that, but that, that, that means something that you were able to like find, like to sell it. I mean, to find another like life for it to right. like exit from it. Yeah. Rather than, like, say sort of Peter, it's such a hard business. Yeah. I mean the times like, you know, the nineties were good to me. Um, <laughs> when I first started, you know, I was, I would go to a trade show, um, just to give you an idea. And at the time it was no internet. So it was like, it was internet, but there wasn't internet sales. Yeah. So I'll give you an idea. Delia's mail order catalog. Yes. You know, whoever worked for me at that time will always remember, you know, 
sewing those patches on the bags and putting those key rings in. Um, <laughs> a lot of lifeguards work there, including Mike Matchamer and Philip Alito and, um, you know, a bunch of hippie girls that were sewing patches. Yes. But so I was in the basement and, um, you know, I had, I had, I had gotten an order for one bag as a sample. I was like, oh, this is never going to pan out, you know? And then next thing you know, a week later, I got an order for a thousand. Oh shit! And I was like, "Cool." And then the how company, do you make that? <laughs> yeah. So then I went to my supplier, um, who was actually on Long Island, that made Army Navy surplus, and um, they were like, "No problem, we can do this for you." Whatever. Okay, okay, I hope so. But they didn't expect what I'm about to say. So Delia's contacted me a day before the catalog came out, and they said, "Hey, just want to let you know that we're going to be going public at the end of the month." Wow. <laughs> and um, you, you should be prepared. <laughs> So a week, about, I think five or seven days after the, um, the catalog dropped for this, you know, particular season. Um, and I think they had been in business for like a year or two. Um, they ordered 8,500 bags. Holy wow. shit. Then they needed more. So in the yeah. end I wound up selling like 18,500 bags in seven months. <laughs> right. Right. So it was a, it was a learning so it's curve. Just, yeah. It's, and at that point you're just trying to keep up. So you're who's just, kind of doing those yeah. type of numbers, you know, yeah. and then. You know, I did a T-shirt um, and it said, I dig your boyfriend on it. I don't know why I thought of this, but I did. <laughs> and um, it happened to be that I went, it made it into Time Magazine, which is um, in one of these, this book or another scrapbook I have. But um, I wound up selling just to, um, to wet seal contempo casuals within a year. I sold 30,000 pieces. You know, Shit. I wound up selling probably in like two years, like, a hundred thousand pieces or something. Right. It was crazy. Dude. I was doing crazy numbers. I was like 26. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, I could take Friday off. I have, yeah. you know, Rock lots of roll. money. And then, you know, I decided to expand and made, you know, bad moves along the way, but that's part of, that's part of the business. That's what you so, do to learn. So would you, would, would, I mean, that, that's, that's creating product and, and selling it, but going back to the, to the brick and mortar retail. Yes. Um, cause from what it sounds like you're, you're in the, like the, the space building, uh, side of things what would you like would you ever tell someone to get into brick and mortar retail now um to do what you did back you know in the in the late 90s because some because you walk down in this neighborhood here in greenpoint and there are clothing stores and they're vintage they tend to be more vintage but like people are still trying to do it and it's just like man that looks tough it it, it actually um it it, it's such a scary business because it could be like a, a Ferris Bueller's day off, beautiful day in May. And maybe you make a $500, you know, it's like, you just can't predict. Um, I like that I, weather Ferris Bueller. Yeah. It's uh, my mind. Um, I remember actually, um, um, James Jebbia calling me and, you know, said, Hey, if you need any help and I'll, uh, you know, I'll give you some tips and, how this business runs and um you know when i when when i had the first Stussy store it was great when we had to open up the second with the partners we put in all this money i lost money you know <laughs> so it's 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 a it's, a, know. it's yeah it's a tough it's a tough grind um i don't really um recommend it for the <laughs> long term but um you could meet a lot of interesting people and um yeah, I um, I would say I'm against it, and I don't really shop <laughs> very much in stores. I pretty much order everything online. Right, I'm right. sorry, everyone. That right. is <laughs> now uh, support your local surf shop. Unsound. 
Fun town. There we go. Mike Nelson. Hell yeah. Dave Juan. Legends. Legends. Plural. Um, were we gonna get into old school Williamsburg, or had we? Sort yeah, of let's it? let's let's go into this just for a little bit because you you're an, you were an early adopter of of Billy Berg. You, I mean, you were living here in the in the nineties. That's correct. You know, before a lot of people, and right. you were able to uh, take advantage also of that. And you know how how did you how did it come about? Like, where were you? You know, why wouldn't you move into Manhattan then? And and why were you moving into Brooklyn at that time? What it's was going on then at that time? Too. An inter- interesting story. So um, I, I had been living with um, a girlfriend in Williamsburg. She introduced me to all that. And I, you know, I was living in my warehouse. I was traveling and I was um, still showering sometimes at my parents' house. I was like all over the place because I was young and I could do that. And um, it kind of opened my eyes to Williamsburg and I really liked it. Um, when I opened up the store, I wanted to live in Williamsburg. I didn't want to live in the city yeah. because I worked in the city. I wanted not to live there. And I wanted to be closer to the ocean. I wanted to be, you know, closer to my parents. And I wanted to just, you know, be able to still be close to my roots. Um, technically was, on Long Island. Being yeah. Technically, yes. That is, that is true for most that don't know. Um, <laughs> now you know. Um, I, um, I, you know, I, I, I liked Williamsburg and... Um, it's interesting between the store and um, the people that I would meet um, that I realized that I could actually go bigger with my ideas and um, develop and work on properties. And I learned from the right person and we've been partners for oh, 18, 19, 18 years. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of created a monster with him <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I got myself involved and I really enjoy the process of, you know, developing properties and, you know, I have no training in this, but I kind of think I know what people want and, um, you know, I enjoy providing homes to people. Um, as I was, I was a Davo tenant. I used to live in his building. Those were wild times. They were good times. That was fun. I was going through that period of like, should I continue making clothing? Or should yeah. I just like get into real estate? My partner every year is like, just that stuff. <laughs> like, you're not going anywhere with it. And I'm like, it's all I know. You know, <laughs> I don't know any more than this. Um, he's like, you did good once. Just invest your money. So that's, you know, pretty much what I did. Um, and we've been partners, you know, ever since this day. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoy my day to day. And, you know, Davo dated Cat Power at one point. Wow. Whoa. Oh. Stop the press. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, huge Dave. crush on her. I had to throw out this one. <laughs> All right. Let's let's talk about um what are you surfing now? Where are you surfing? What's your spots? What do you what do you like to be be riding on at the moment? You know, it's funny, there's this one. You spot. have the most beautiful, by the way, our to our listeners, this guy has one of the most beautiful surfboard collections. Oh, thank you. It's stunning. Like anything it's just beautiful like and how you have them displayed is even more gorgeous like i just yeah it's perfect and 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 i just want to um to let you guys know that one of the boards that actually i've been riding the most is actually um a faction oh um, metro selly that yeah that 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 petro himself um shaped for me and it's a great winter board and um it's this orange great board um i have actually another board um that is right now um, getting glassed in Big Sky. 
and that is a um, a this Makaha style Dave Parmenter board that is I think it's eight six. Wow. Yeah. So um, I'll have that at some point when I pick it up. Parmenter shaping that. Parmenter shaped it. Yeah. Uh, so we had oh. him as a a guest shaping at Big Sky. So um, if you've looked on the Instagram, you so, see. Him so on Big there. Sky is a board company. Is that correct? Uh, well. Maybe. I mean, there's stuff that we're doing, but yeah. it's, you know, um, I really can't tell you what. Um, I love the secrecy on, on like all the product and projects. <laughs> really, I'll be honest with you. It's, it, I, 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 it I will, I will say one thing. Um, there really isn't very much, um, product. Yeah. But, um, we have some interesting concepts going on and, um, I'll leave it at that. Um, we do have actually, um, I listened to it today. Um, we're putting out the soundtrack to um, the Edge movie on vinyl, oh, um, limited nice. edition, 500 copies. Um, and a very old friend of mine um, who I know who worked for a record label, um, somewhat based out of Brooklyn uh, and Manhattan called DFA Records. Oh, yeah. And um, he no longer works there, but he's um, an old pal and he's putting out the um the records for big sky so you know yeah. big sky records maybe is coming oh jeez all right geez. there all right we got a little bit of light on to this fill in all the yeah. blanks all right all right well cool man i mean davo man this is awesome we're super psyched to have you on me too we want to have you back i want to go i want to go more cuz there's there's more material here that we need to to dive into but it is a weeknight, you know, and we we gotta be up early for work and I stuff. You, you got to get back. Are you going back to? No, Long I'm staying in Brooklyn. Staying in so. Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, Davo, so awesome to have a Thank legend you like you on. Thanks for appreciate coming it. on. Nice to meet you. I really, yeah, yeah likewise, and I, I really appreciate the time and um, you know, and yeah, sharing well, experiences. Well, I want to say like one is I appreciate the you know all the effort you made for tonight's show and and putting all of this together is pretty fucking awesome we're gonna i'm gonna have to take a photo of everything here so we can post it because it it's wonderful like it's awesome the memories and like i'm getting all like nostalgic you know and nostalgia is just such a funny thing you know there is one thing i'd like to say yeah. actually about um the gripping stuff yeah so there's a wipeout section in that video and there's a real massive wave um and there's like a hideous wipeout and it's actually andrew kidman no yes really yes he told Matchamer and I, I obviously I believe him, he's in it. And also what was really inspiring about bringing that video, which most, um, I'm going to educate some people now that don't Do it. know. Drop some knowledge. But um, there was a surfer uh, on the pro, on the ASP um, back in the day. And his name was, um, they called him Mr. X. His name was Glenn, Glenn Winton. Yes. But um, in that, that VHS tape, Gripping Stuff by Gorilla Grip, um, he actually performs two fully executed El Rolos. Yes. Yes, he was doing now, that. Now, Tyler, would you like to um, you know, to talk about the El Rolo? Well, everyone's tried to do an El Rolo all the way from like Larry Bertelman and I mean freaking Corky Carroll in some ways, you know, kind of kind of made attempts at it. Sean Barney Barron, you know, was making attempts. Haven't seen much attempts of it lately. Everyone's trying to get above the lip rather than doing it inside of the tube. But How does it go? What does it look like? El Rolo, like boogie board, you know? You just yep. like you're just going upside down in the tube, but 
Yeah, like there's been a but quite with your a few. surfboard. Yeah, but yeah. with your surfboard and standing, and yeah. Glenn Winton pulls it, and Mr. X like with gloves on, with with web gloves and tons of traction on his board, and you know the thing is, like, did you watch the Masters competition? Of course this year? I did. Yeah. Do you watch that heat that he had when he won? Like, yes. And he started crying, and like, he's like, oh, my God. I just, you know, Glenn Winton has, has had, like, an up-and-down ride. Uh, you know, I remember Kidman telling me a story during, like, the old Masters comp in, like, I think uh, 2000 or 2001. Was it Navoca or something? It was, or no, it was in La Fetenia. Oh. And they found him, like, on the tracks, drunk, and he was, like, a security guard for a job and seemed pretty depressed and, like... You know, and, and to see him, like, kind of bounce back and to see that the Masters competition and see him have that moment in the sun was, like, so rewarding. It was so cool to see all those guys happy. Yeah. They were so happy. It was awesome. Uh, I talked to Brissick about it briefly. He told me, like, how much fun it was. Yeah, like, I read what he wrote. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. It must have been an amazing time to be there. God, yeah. Watching these guys. You know, that's where the WSL's blowing it. I'm sure there's a lot of older guys like us who would probably pay for a ticket to go to the comp and hang out with them and would probably pay good money for it. I, I probably would. You know? I would. Sure. I'd pay five grand to do that. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Look, like hang out with Curran and Aki and all the guys and like Backstage. ask them. Yeah, man. And drink and get drunk with Gary Elkerton. God, that'd be amazing. Hear all those stories. Talk about Tom Carroll's bad knee. Yeah. Talk about Tom Carroll getting a fin up the rectum. <laughs> wow. Let's bring mics for that. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have a surprise guest in Nikki Wood. Ooh, I don't know, man. <sighs> Nikki Wood or Robbie or Page. Or Sess Wilson. Sess, Graham Sess Wilson. Oh, here we go. We're just now dropping all yes. old school names, people. It's time for us to go. Davo, thank you so much, man. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Ben. See you next week. See you next week. People are listening. See you all next week. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and fuck Twitter. And, uh, of course, listen to our show on Spotify, iTunes, and many different places. 